Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe and believing obey. Amen. Have you ever been involved in a mystery? You know, a real whodunit. Maybe you're a parent that never did find out which child knocked over and broke that family heirloom. Maybe you know who ate the last piece of cheesecake, but you will never tell. Maybe you lost something, but you're convinced it was never lost at all, but that someone took that something, and the answer is still a mystery. Have you ever been involved in a mystery? When I was in my first year of seminary at Princeton Theological Seminary, everybody now, the finest theological seminary in the land, I sat for my New Testament midterm, and it was without a doubt the most difficult test that I had ever taken in my life. I can remember a long walk with my friend Duncan after the exam, straight to Triumph, a local watering hole on Nassau Street. And there we sat at 11.30 a.m. on a Friday morning in deep lament for the beating that we just took. The following Monday at our New Testament lecture, the professor asked to speak with me after the class. Adrenaline poured through my body. What does he need me for? Am I going to be kicked out of seminary for my complete ineptitude with that exam? I hope he takes it easy on me. Nate, he asked me after the class, did you sit for the New Testament exam? Yes, I told him. What do you mean? We can't find your test anywhere. And the hunt was on. I traced back my day for him, our visit to triumph, my witness, Duncan, who was with me, the seat I used in the lecture hall, the hours spent studying alone and the friends that helped me along, and, and all of that tracing back did little to allay his concerns. They didn't have the test. Had I taken it from the lecture hall to help someone else cheat? Had I sat for it and then left without turning it in, worried that I was going to get a poor grade? We were both at work in tracing it back only in different directions. Jesus was really good at tracing things back in the right direction. Jesus was really good 
at tracing things back in the right direction. See, when he looks out from the cross and he sees the Mount of Olives, he traces back to the triumphal entry illustrated here in Luke 19. He traces back to that moment where he asked his disciples to go untie for him a colt that had never been ridden. And as he does, he traces back to the moment that the prophet Zechariah writes, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious as he, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. He wants us to trace his moment back to the moment that Zechariah writes those words. When Jesus looks out, looks out from the cross and sees the Mount of Olives, he traces back to how the people were waving palms and laying coats to welcome him. And by doing this, the people were tracing back to the, to the tradition of the Jewish festival Sukkot, where the people waved branches through the city and recited Psalm 118, where in verse 26 it says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He wants them to trace his moment, his triumphal moment, back to this tradition of Sukkot. When he looks out from the cross and he sees the Mount of Olives, he traces back to the moment that the Pharisees demand he quiet the crowds. And then he says, if they keep quiet with a smirk, the stones will cry out. The stones he points to were gravestones that still to this day pepper the hillside. According to Jewish tradition, the Messiah will appear there, and that's where the resurrection of the dead will begin. And so when he says that to the Pharisees, he hopes that they will trace back to that teaching and hear what he's saying about himself and hear what he's saying loud and clear. He's the Messiah. When we tune in to what Jesus sees when he sees the Mount of Olives from this place on the cross, it is easy to see that Jesus is a trace-it-back Savior, which means that Christianity is a trace-it-back faith. We care about how things are connected and why they're connected. We, we care about what we can learn from those connections when we trace it back. We are a trace it back faith. We, we care about tracing the beauty of creation back to the moment when God breathed into the chaos of the deep. We care about tracing the journey of faith back to the other journeys that we know about, the journey that the Hebrews made out of Egypt and the journey that the exiles make out of Babylon and the journey that Jesus and his followers make into Jerusalem. 
We care about tracing the gift of forgiveness back to the work of Christ on the cross. We are a trace-it-back faith. And we are in a trace-it-back time. Now more than ever, we are tracing back our whereabouts, aren't we? Who were we with? When were we with them? Were they sick? We are tracing back our last cough, our last temperature, our last achy breath. We are tracing back to our families and friends, checking in to make sure that they are staying healthy. We are in a trace-it-back time. And I believe that our trace-it-back faith is made for this trace-it-back time. So keep tracing back. But let us be tracing back in the right direction. Let us be tracing back in the right direction. Trace back through the uncertainty of today, sure, but trace to the faithfulness of all the people that came before us. People that kept the faith, people that kept lighting candles, even when the wars came and when the cold came and when the suppression and oppression came. Keep tracing back through that fear that you might have, that fear of what is to come for us. But trace through to those who overcame the fear, the fear of making it, the fear of persecution, and the fear of the cross. Keep tracing back until you get to this moment, the one of Jesus looking out from the cross and knowing about a future that not one person on the ground could have ever known about. Trace back to the cross. The mystery of that New Testament midterm was eventually solved. Not before I was interrogated by the academic affairs office for possibly cheating, and not before I had to restudy for a new exam, a verbal one, in front of both of the New Testament professors. My preceptor, her name was Alice, the one in charge of grading the exam, arrived at our class one day with the graded written tests in her hand. She slapped them on the table, and right there, right there on the top, was my exam. Alice, I said to her, that is my exam. Oh, she said, but you wrote your name as Nate, and I thought your name was Nathaniel. And I swallowed hard, really hard. How could she have missed it? All that heartache and all that stress, and it was right there in front of her the whole time. She just wasn't tracing back in the right direction. 
it might be that way for you too. Amidst it all, if, if you trace back in the right direction, it might, be, it might be that if you sit and pray and listen for the Spirit, tracing your troubles back to God, tracing your relief back to the living Jesus, and tracing your hopes back to the movement of the Holy Spirit, it might be that there has been more right in front of you, more beauty right in front of you, more joy right in front of you, more love right in front of you than you have known for this entire time. Amen.